it's the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. Matthew with you here. And if you listen to a recent episode on Rangers of Shadow Deep Blood Moon, you'll know that we messed it up a bit. We didn't quite interpret the rules properly and we couldn't really finish the game. So on this episode, Robert and I get together again to exercise those demons or exercise those werewolves as it was and uh, play it properly this time to a conclusion. So find out how we got on, what we thought of it and all that jazz. And then we're going to talk a wee bit about AI. We're going to play around with some AI software and discuss the ways that that might potentially be usable in this hobby. So we've got all that to come later on in the episode, but first up, let's head back to the world of Rangers of Shadowdeep. So here we are again, Robert, back uh, Blood Moon 2, back in the habit. Absolutely, we're ready to deal some damage. Yeah, I mean, you say we're ready, we've been ready for a while, haven't we? Because we're halfway through this uh, rematch of the the Blood Moon scenario with Rangers of Shadowdeep. Yes, it's been quite the slaughter and um, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, so to to give to get the listener up to speed, like we played this uh, scenario before and got horribly wrong with the um, the unveiling of the werewolf. So we were we were making the mistake of giving all our auxiliary companions individual investigation scores. So now we've corrected the error of our ways and we're doing a combined investigation score. It's currently sitting at nine, Robert. So pretty much the next clue that we that we open it's it's probably going to turn one of our companions into the werewolf isn't it it is and i know it's not going to be the red-haired orla because she's only got two clues i think and they've already come out of the deck or been the result of the roll or whatever uh so she's off the hook so i don't mind orla being next to my main character grub but the rest of them i'm going to keep them at arm's length for should i say 14 inches or so make sure they can't get to me in one turn when they eventually uh look up at the moon and decide now's the time yeah and it's been like for the first half of the game it's been almost worryingly easy apart from a couple of wee blips but you know, we, we started getting shots away straight away. Like, again, that wolf, the, the, the only wolf that starts on the table who got uh, shot and killed <laughs> the first time that happened again. Like, Grub shot him, killed him. Um, I went up, shot a couple of flies. We shot the rats. We were just, like, every shot we took basically killed something. Uh, the only little slip-up was uh, Seb tried to fight a giant fly and got his arse kicked. He's down <laughs> to, like, four health. The fly rolled a 20. Grub, uh, not Grub, sorry, uh, Seb had the help of Coven. So even the plus two modifier on that, he still got absolutely bummed by the fly. Is it, has anyone ever said that before? Bummed by a fly? I mean, I have now. So, uh yeah, so that that was that was one of the blips, and then um, basically the game is is we're all filtering into this manor house. Uh, there is a werewolf in there already. He's been produced by an event card. So Grub went marching in there and got into a bit of a a fight with him and uh, received some damage. They actually tied, didn't they? But um, yeah, twenty two each. Yeah, so a high scoring fight. But the problem is that the. The werewolf just regenerates the next turn, whereas Grub doesn't, because he's human. Um, and you had a look through your uh, special abilities and stuff like that, so we, we made a bit of a faux pas there, because we could have could have avoided that, couldn't we? Yeah, he's got a, an ability called Dive for Cover, which means that if an evil figure is looking to move towards me, I can use that, and then it has to just act as if my guy is not on the table, i.e. like a random wandering around or whatever. Um, but I only read that afterwards, uh, much to my uh, 
disappointment. Have you got your sheet there to have a look through your um, special abilities and spells? Cause I, I can grab it. We're, uh, we're notoriously guilty of forgetting about these things until after the fact. I mean, like I say, the, the game up until now has been so easy that we've not needed them, but... Yeah. Uh, Same I, for pushing people back as well, because we've yeah, been one-shotting We always everyone. forget to do that, yeah. I mean, they, they, they couldn't have done that in that fight there because it was a tie, but... Yeah. Yeah, no pushbacks if you both win. Aye, so what you all got there? Heroic abilities and spells. Steady aim. Steady aim. Let's have a look at that. Steady aim, steady aim, steady aim. Plus five shoot for one shooting roll. And it must be declared before the roll is made. So like you'll you'll say, right, I'm using steady aim, then you roll a twenty, probably. And blend into the shadows, that was the one you just mentioned, wasn't it? Yes. This ability may be used if an evil figure is about to make a move that would take it into combat. Aye, so you literally could have you could have used that, you didn't. Uh, we've got Focus, Focus DIY. Yeah. Uh, the Ranger may add plus eight to any one skill roll. He must declare he is using the ability before he rolls. So like read runes, I made a read runes roll earlier, yeah. just managed it. Uh, Orla had to roll strength or no, lockpick to get in the door. Aye. Um, so Grub could, yeah, you've got skills, like acrobatics, ancient lore, swim, my ranger actually failed a will roll because there was a there was a howl or something like a wolf's howl, which I don't know where it came from because there's no wolves on the table. But huh. there was a wolf's howl and he shat his brakes. He yeah. had to miss a turn because he failed the roll. Uh, your last one there, dive for cover. The ranger may add plus ten to his fight roll when rolling against a shooting attack. He must declare he's using this ability before he rolls. Not oh, something that's I think right. I'd said dive for cover, but it was blending the shadows to stop the guy attacking him. Yeah, because I don't think we could face a shooting attack on this in this scenario. Because yeah, nobody's got. Uh, but there's just nobody to shoot at you anyway. Even if they did have something, there's just, there, there is literally one werewolf on the table. That's it. All the flies are dead. All the rats are dead. And you know, for this game being a wolf game, and I've got all these wolf miniatures, like the, the two games combined, I think we've had one wolf on the table for a quarter of a turn, and that's yeah. been it. So presumably they they could keep popping out of the events deck, but it just never happens to us. So um, you've got one spell. Magic Bolt. Magic Bolt. Uh, the caster may make a plus five magic shooting attack against against one figure within line of sight. This I, attack ignores penalties for cover and intervening terrain. Yeah, and it says here, proxy has pistol. So it's basically like using a pistol uh, for the stats. The miniature, he's got a wee pistol. I thought like, you know, for the fluff, that's just he's, he's gone and he could fire it once because it's... Yeah. One of the really old school things that you're going to have to take a week off your work to reload. Oh, like a musket. A hand musket. Mm. That sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> Playing with his hand musket. <laughs> and uh, the game passed him by. Let's have a let's have a wee look at what I've got. Uh, Harold Half-Orc, my ranger. We have Deadly Shot. The ranger may use this ability if he has rolled a natural 18 or 19 during a shooting action. There's a fat chance of that. Treat this roll as a critical hit. So, I mean, in theory, if I shoot at a werewolf and roll an 18 or 19, I could just kill him then, That's, presumably. That is a worthwhile spell to keep in mind, I think. Pity that the werewolves are always going to be in combat with people because... You can't a, shoot. Ah, I can, but I might kill 
somebody else. So my best bet might be for Grub, who's in combat with him, to win the next fight, shove him back and then say, let him have it, Harry. Aye, everyone get out and we'll set the house on fire. <laughs> we'll put the table over the door and set the house on fire. Aye. Um, what we got next? Evade. The ranger may use this ability if he activates whilst in combat. The ranger may make a free one-inch move to leave the combat. That would come in handy for you. Yeah. Uh, no figure may force combat during this move. After this move, the ranger completes his activation as normal. Yeah, because I was asking you, is there a way in combat to deactivate and move away, which you can do in some games, games like D&D, but in this, you must have the ability. Here's another one that would have came in handy for you. Frenzied attack, the ranger may add plus, fight, plus five to one fight roll. He must declare he's using the ability before he rolls. Yeah, it's not so much the fight as the actual damage. Yeah, yeah. Getting him put, you know, under before he uh, regenerates. And then my final one's transpose, and I use that uh, in conjunction with Vinny the Vulture. So me and Vinny could swap places at any point. Uh that's a funny thing isn't it Vinny again we take Vinny on this expedition because there's a pond and there's a boat with a clue in it so Vinny does does what he does and he flew out there to the boat and what does he find an old man who's still just sitting on the boat I've not even tried to make him swim like there was no point he's so weak that if you keep him alive you get a couple of points so we've just left him out there on the boat as opposed to drown him yeah because it I, it, when he jumps in he's got to like take rolls for the cold water and there could be zombies and aye, so he's he's on the boat aye, I like the thought that after this mission we will just wave cheerio at him and, and go we've got your XP old son aye, see, see you later good luck with the swim Um, so that's it everything is heading towards the house but we're about to do the old Scooby Doo we're about to pull the mask off somebody and it turns out it was them all along Sykes. so um. I don't know, I'm kind of hoping it's, uh, I was going to say, I'm hoping it's somebody who's outside the house. That's almost nobody at the moment. Just Sebastian. He's standing out there, so who I've knows? Never, never who liked knows? him. I always thought he was shifty. Yeah, well, not a very good lumberjack, I heard. He's um, often selling those manufactured plastics as wood. And uh, people put them on their fires and black smoke fills their living room and they die horrible deaths. Perfect. So I've heard anyway. Um, that's it let's uh, reconvene at the end of the game then exciting alright then Robert we've just uh, we've just killed the final werewolf it was uh, it was beat to death in an orgy of bloodlust by Orla wasn't it um, yes she, she was kind of surrounding it we've got Grub there we've got Gunther there Vinny he was getting involved uh, even though he was very full up from eating all those mutilated corpses. So she managed to... We were kind of chipping away, weren't we? Because you have this thing with the werewolves where they regenerate after the turn. So over the course of like the ranger phase, the companion phase and creature phase, you're just whittling down his health. And you know that like if you fail to take him down, it's basically back to the start uh, on the next turn. But fortunately, we've we've put him on his arse and that's, that's all she wrote. Yes, and they say that the first casualty of war is either innocence or truth. But in this case, it was actually Nicolan. Yeah, that's right. He was the werewolf, wasn't he? Um, no, I, I'm I'm talking shite. Uh, Coven was the werewolf. Uh, Nicolan then managed to get killed by the werewolf that, that once was Coven. Yeah, have a go, hero. He ran out there. 
up to the werewolf and uh, came worse off, unfortunately. So we've got a wee role to do for him shortly. Yeah, that's right. We had um, we had the werewolf who was in the house for almost the whole game, and he was killed by who actually killed him. It was Grub. Grub killed him yeah. uh, up in the house there. And then yeah, we when we finally got the last of the clue tables, it turned out that that Coven was the was the werewolf and he was just outside the manor house so we had to kind of turn and, and make our way back down there Grub found the magic uh, the, the silver dagger I should say yeah uh, a fat lot of good it did him he got a fancy wee pair of slippers as well which you know I'm sure they look very nice but uh, they didn't yeah. really help much did they it was useful for moving through a, an empty house yeah aye very good uh, so, slippers for inside the house and boots for outside um, so yeah the 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 end of the game is basically you either kill both werewolves, which has happened, or the, the werewolves kill all of your people, and that's not happened. So we lost Seb. Like Seb, as as we said earlier on, he he got a dull end off a fly, um, mm. which is quite funny because he's supposed to be a big strong man, but then he tried to wade in and, and fight the werewolf. Had loads of people around him to help, and he, he ended up getting uh, murdered so again might not be dead because you, you do a roll on them but th- those were our two casualties weren't they yeah malaria got him we did it we did remember to do a couple of wee special abilities didn't we like uh, uh, harold harold got attacked by a wolf who came out of the barn and i used frenzied attack to dispose of him and then i think grub grub used one of his didn't he uh, he used about three i think he used magic uh no steady aim uh, to give him plus five to his shoot on top of his three, uh, which didn't work. Unfortunately, the roll was just against him. Uh, there was the skill roll for the armory to to get the sword, the silver dagger, sorry, in the first place. That was plus eight to his skill, so he was able to to uh, get the dagger, which did a fair bit of damage on the werewolf before Orla finished him off. And I'm sure there was one other thing he tried as well, but uh, but yeah. He he did well. It was it was funny once the fight started to turn and people were dropping. It was like, eh, yeah, what are those abilities again? Well, that's it. I thought this is this is again. It's just far too easy. But there was a moment where the werewolf suddenly dropped a couple of folk, and you thought this, and then then a fly popped up, which in isolation wouldn't have done much. But you start to think this could like if that werewolf keeps going here, which he didn't. Um, I still think it's a bit easy. It's it's so hard to judge, isn't it? Because the D twenty, there's just so much could happen with E20 like like I said earlier you could set this up to be slightly harder and then if you roll bad like the game could be over quite quickly so yeah I suppose it's just one of the things isn't it like we we did over the piece we rolled very very well today I would say early on it was ridiculous but you know if we'd been even more strategic about it and all of your uh, characters and mine went together in one group Every time we fought one individual thing, it would be a case of, right, well, we've all surrounded it. We've got plus 10 mm-hmm. to every fight. Um, we wouldn't have a problem. So I think I think the scenario could be a bit better balanced in that sense, you know, rather than um, allowing us to be able to just pick them off one by one. But So we didn't do that, though, because we thought, well, to hell with it. Let's Let's make a narrative out of it. You go your way. I went my own way towards the wagon. You went to the barn. Um... Grub on six health because he had the sword, the silver dagger. I'm gonna keep calling it a sword. Uh, I thought, do you know what? Come on, let's do it. Let's get in there for the story's sake. So, I guess you make of it 
what you want. But yeah, it could be a bit better balance, a couple more monsters on the outside, I think. I was keeping a track of kills there. Gunter, he got one kill. Coven got one kill before he then, well, in theory, got three because he became a werewolf and killed two people. <laughs> um, so Gunter won, Coven won, Orla got two, including uh, the werewolf that once was Coven. Uh, and our Rangers, the star men of the show, uh, Grub on three kills, Harold Halfork on three kills. So Excellent um, work. Yeah, you need your big players to step up in these situations, don't you? So we've now got a couple of roles to do for the characters who were reduced to zero health. Oh, yeah. Before we then find out like how many extra points we got, because I think we could level up as well. Right, I've looked out the survival table, and uh, do you want to roll for uh, Nicolan. Nicolan first then? Who may or may not be a werewolf. Yeah, well, that's it. If he dies, I think he, in theory, just becomes aware of I mean, we're never going to use him again, but it's still interesting to know. Yeah. Uh, any modifiers, or is it just a straight roll? No, it's just a straight roll on that there table. Right, so nine upwards is a full recovery. Otherwise, we've got an issue. Let's see. It's a 15. Yeah, he's totally fine, isn't he? Totally fine. Uh, he is an aristocrat, so he's probably eaten quite well over his life private health care yeah pupa yeah um, we'll send in an ambulance outside the hospital for two hours for him seb oh ah uh, no <laughs> what did he roll i can't quite six. see it i thought six. it was a nine i thought he was right but nope badly wounded let's see what it says about that the figure has suffered a grievous wound it will heal but it's going to take time if the figure is a ranger he's not he must start the next game at minus five. If he's a companion, he could start at minus five or he could miss it. Again, these auxiliaries, I, I don't know. Maybe Orla, you would use her again because she's got the bow, but mm-hmm. the other guys, I don't know if they add very much, to be honest. We'll have to get um, great-great-grandson a goat's way back yes. and uh, <laughs> use him in our next mission and he'll inevitably die, won't he? Goatsy's dog. <laughs> which reminds me just as an aside I was in the supermarket the other day there's a film out called Bone Alone Bone Alone yeah which I thought was a porn version but yeah, no, I was going to say yeah it's, that's it's about, interesting for a supermarket yeah it, no it's about a dog who's been left home alone uh, and it's basically the same story as Home Alone two burglars and lots of hijinks and plenty of victory hijinks. for the good in the end with a bit of adversity in the all is lost moment towards the end i believe yeah be funny so. if it was like pg rating but at one point the dog just ripped the throat out of one of the, the guys <laughs> and it gets put down him. at the end yeah. <laughs> 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 the, the burglar sues because according to the daily mail that that happens every week so devil dogs um let's see how much points we accumulated from that okay two two xp for each giant fly zombie and wolf killed so by my reckoning or not by my reckoning by my notes we have uh is that a rat as well doesn't mention a rat it's a bit unfair you what mate yeah giant fly swamp zombie wolf grim wolf We'll mention a rats. Is that just because they're so weak? I suppose nothing we could do about it. Oh well. Even Rent-A-Kill get paid, like. Okay, so that's uh, 12 points for all the minions that we killed. Bro. Uh, each werewolf, 10 points each. That's 20. I feel like Carol Vorderman in Countdown here. Yeah. 
20 points for revealing which auxiliary companion was the werewolf. Thank you very much. And 10 points for each ox companion other than the werewolf and villager that is on the table at the end. So what we got there? Loads. Three of the civilians and two of the auxiliaries. And you've and we've got Michael row your boat ashore there in the middle of the pond. <laughs> uh, one, two, ah, three, four. Yeah, one, we had um, Coven turning into the werewolf and the other two died. Yeah. So uh, that is... I'm glad we found those kids in the old man. points. 92 points. Not a bad How tally. about that? So we actually had, going into this, we had 72 points. So it go two to three is 100. Aye, so we're, we're basically left with 64 points each now. But we've gone up a level. We've gone up a level. We have gone up to uh, level three, which means we gain recruitment points. Lovely. So we're uh, we're finished that game. We've played it properly this time. Like, uh, what's your what's your summary overall now that we've completed it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved the the extra jeopardy of the the werewolf. Who's it going to be, and so on. Um, I would like to see something a bit bit more fraught, needing a bit more tactic and stuff. Um, and I'm looking forward to fighting human enemies at some point. Back to gnolls. Yeah, because it's all been spiders and wolves and flies. Oh my! Yeah, I was thinking of doing a because I've got a I've got a dungeon kit. I've got Dungeon Saga, the game, but oh, you, yeah. could, you could use the dungeon tiles for this. So I was thinking of doing a wee dungeon bash for us next. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, or we, hey, we could always get the new hero quest if we get you know two hundred quid between us or whatever. Yeah, it is. is it is it expensive? Yeah. Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now back to the show. Aye, so I did enjoy it. I, th- I thought it was a touch easy, but I could see why, like, a couple of bad rolls, it could completely flip on its head, so... Um, and, yeah, you know, as I get older and I still play the odd computer game and stuff, it's like, nowadays my gaming experience is more about the story anyway, or the, exactly, the experience, yeah. than the, the absolute hardcore difficulty. Aye, yeah, definitely. No fun in getting your arse kicked, is there? No. So with uh, Blood Moon finally out the way, with the werewolves finally put to bed, I wanted to show you something, Robert. I've been playing with this uh, open AI software. Yes. Um, which is frighteningly incredible, I suppose. It's like Skynet. And I thought there was like, I, th- I think there's potential in this for like gaming, whether it's like miniature gaming or RPG gaming or stuff like that. So you could basically type anything into this software. You know, it's it's giving you an example there, write a tagline for an ice cream shop. But as you know, you've been getting WhatsApp messages for me and it's like, write a story about a man who's got a pub up his bum. And it, you know, it, to be fair, it tackles the subject and presents it in as factual a way as it can, which... Um, just yeah. sounds like a viz story, doesn't it? It would be a pass in high school English, that's for sure, yeah. So 
leaning on your like RPG experience, Robert, you, you know, you've got like dungeon masters and people creating scenarios and monsters and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you could uh, you could type anything in here, couldn't you? Like, um, I mean, what will I write? Let's say, would that do? Describe a Dungeons and Dragons scenario? Maybe, if it if it can understand what Dungeons and Dragons is as a concept. It, I cannot believe what I'm seeing here. You want to read that out once it gets to, once it spits it all out? I'm excited to read it. Hey, hang on, we've just got a wee bit more to go. Right, okay. Let, let us know what the AI has spat out. Literally, it has written this in front of us. This is like War Games in 1982, the movie. Um, just how it's all appeared. There are five adventurers in a party. A paladin, a druid, a rogue, a bard, and a ranger. I mean, so straight away, it knows the classes from, from Dungeons & Dragons specifically. That's mental. The party has ventured into a long-forgotten dungeon in search of an ancient magical artefact. The paladin is the leader of the group and is a holy warrior. I, I can't get this. Strong in both courage and faith. The druid is a nature-focused spellcaster, drawing their power from the natural world. The rogue is a master of stealth and deception, capable of moving through the shadows. The bard is a master of music and charm, capable of inspiring courage in allies and weakening foes. Finally, the ranger is an expert marksman, able to take out enemies from afar. I mean, it's like it must have taken from the wiki page or something, because that's... I no, I mean, it, it, it just it uses the internet. Like, it just pulls all the internet's knowledge and... But it didn't even need to load. Yeah, like, like I say, Skynet, humans are doomed. I mean, my, my dad's kitchen light still takes longer to come on when you press the switch than it did this took to bloody write that. Um, as they explore the dungeon, the adventurers face a variety of challenges. They must battle monsters like giant spiders, orcs and dragons. They must brave traps and puzzles that test their wits and their courage. They must also face their own inner demons. Good. As, as Yeah, as they push themselves to the limits of their physical and mental capabilities. I mean, inner demons like being a werewolf, Coven. No, who was it? It was Coven. Eventually, the adventurers make their way to the heart of the dungeon. There they find the magical artifact they have been searching for, but with it comes a powerful enemy. The adventurers must now use all of their skills and abilities to defeat their foe and claim the artifact. So it really does leave it open for what's actually to come. Yeah, but watch this because it it, it learns what it said already. So I could now ask it follow-up questions. So it talks about this powerful enemy. So what have I written there, Robert? What is the powerful enemy? Describe it and make it something unusual. Right, let's see what the AI's got for us. The powerful enemy, the adventurous face, is a powerful demonic entity known as a Balor, which uh, for fans of Lord of the Rings is like the equivalent of a Balrog, but uh, Wizards of the Coast that do Dungeons and Dragons, they you know were up against copyright, so they had to call it a Balor. But yeah, it's a Balrog. It appears as a tall figure with skin made of burning flame and wings of pure darkness. Its eyes are pits of inky blackness, in its hands, it wields a long sword of pure fire, capable of burning through any armor or shield. The Balor can also cast powerful dark magic, capable of draining the life force of its opponents. And then watch this. Why is the Balor 
wearing a Spice Girls t-shirt. The Balor is wearing a Spice Girls t-shirt as a sign of its ironic sense of humour. I'm scared. It is a reminder to the adventurers of the ultimate futility of their mission, as no matter how powerful they become, they will never be able to outmatch such a powerful entity. Where did it get its pink hot pants? The Balor acquired its pink hot pants from a former adventurer who foolishly attempted to battle it in its lair. As a reminder of its victory, the Balor keeps the hot pants as a trophy. <laughs> as a reminder of its victory. That's an excuse for getting caught wearing hot pants. It's just to remind me of the time that I, this foolish adventurer, kind of came in here and, uh, you know, anyway. This is incredible stuff. So, uh, what must we roll to steal, I was going to say to defeat it, but I'm going to steal the hot pants. I've read fan fiction that's worse than this. Is there any good fan fiction? To steal the hot pants from the Balor, the adventurers must roll a stealth check. That's incredible. We've just been playing a game with a stealth check. Now I'm scared. This check must beat the Balor's perception check in order to succeed. I mean, that's literally how D&D works, right? For that sort of thing. And it knows that. It must have already like read all of Earth's defence systems and is now ready to implement full control. What did we roll? The adventurers rolled a 15 on the stealth check. Is that going to be enough? I'm sure its passive perception must did be we pretty high. succeed? Yes, the adventurers succeeded in stealing the hot pants from the Balor. <laughs> so, Robert, we've, we've just um, we've played a miniature game here. It took me like the best part of a year to paint all this stuff. <laughs> Uh, you know, I had to buy terrain, I had to make terrain, we had to get together today. We could have just sat on this AI thing and had an adventure, couldn't we? Uh, we've now stole some hot pants from a Balor in, what, like six minutes? And again, I would, I don't want to get a bit samey. I was going to try and steal the Spice Girls t-shirt too, but um, I think the listener gets the point. Like, this stuff is incredible. Let me just, uh, like if I get rid of all that and watch this, right, a... 28mm fantasy skirmish rule set. Good. Warriors of the Ancient Realm. A 28mm fantasy... God, we're getting all the details here. It's properly spitting stuff out. Um, introduction. Warriors of the Ancient Realm is a 28mm tabletop fantasy skirmish game. Players will build and command warbands of heroes, monsters and creatures from the realms of fantasy. Uh, we've got game setup. We've got war bands. We choose between twelve models, fantasy races and creatures. Battlefield. We talk about terrain. Uh, we start to talk about. We've got a movement phase, a combat phase. Like this is just making it up. Um, we've got six sided die. We've got attack values. I mean, it's these things are pretty generic, just because that's the nature of gaming. But I might get it to write my master's thesis if I tell well, it enough. The thing is, you can, you can. That's the thing. Like you could get it to, you could get it to write business proposals. You could get it to write like you could get it to write a song. Let's let's have a song. Uh, write a song about what was it? A Balrog or a Balor? A B Balor. B yeah. Wearing uh, uh, pink hot pants. 
and a Hulk Hogan t-shirt. Hulk Hogan t-shirt, okay. I am a real Middle Earthian. In a dungeon, because uh, I, I want to keep some fantasy theme. What is it? Mr. G, the original G. There we go. Dung, Dungian. The, who put the dung in dungeon? Uh, right, let's see what we've got. Okay, uh, do you want to do verse one or the chorus? Yeah. Uh, I'll go for the verse one. Right. Although it's already on to the next song in the album, I think. A Balor in a dungeon, what a sight to see. Standing there in pink hot, pink hot pants and a Hulk Hogan tee. So we're going for iambic <laughs> pentameter, that's good. The other monsters laugh, can't believe their eyes, as he sashays through the dungeon, the bravest of the bold. Okay, we've got the chorus. In the dungeon, a Balor wearing pink hot pants and a Hulk Hogan t-shirt. God, that's a mouthful. In the dungeon, where the monsters gather round. He's the king of the dungeon, ain't afraid to show it. In the dungeon, a Balor wearing pink hot pants and a Hulk Hogan t-shirt. Yeah, we've got a verse two here. He struts around with confidence, eyes of steel and gold. He sings a song of courage, the monsters all behold. That's good, like boulders. That is good. He's the talk of the dungeon. They love his style and flair, though they don't understand him. (laughs) They know he's full of care. (laughs) Fucking hell. Um, In the dungeon, a baller wearing pink hot... Pink hot... I can't say that. It's that's such a mouthful for for such an eloquent second verse. The chorus is a fucking shambles. Yeah. Um, There's a bridge. It's even included a bridge. Right. We won't kick the arse out at Robert, but give us give us one more topic. It could be a song. It could be a scenario. It could you could get it to describe a creature. It's it's totally up to you. Sherlock Holmes and Skeletor run a bed and breakfast. Sherlock. You've been listening to Tabletop Gaming. (laughs) And Skeletor. Go on then, what have have we got? Sherlock Holmes and Skeletor were two unlikely friends who had one thing in common. They both loved running a bed and breakfast. After a chance meeting at a local pub, the pair decided to join forces and open up their own B&B. The pair renovated an old Victorian house in the heart of London, just next to 221B Baker Street, I suppose and opened up the doors to the establishment. They called it the Mystery B&B, I love it, and it quickly became a popular destination for visitors looking for a unique stay in the city. Sherlock and Skeletor took great pride in their work offering guests a luxurious experience that included private rooms, delicious breakfasts, and warm hospitality. They even added a few special touches to their B&B, such as a collection of... (laughs) A collection of vintage detective novels and a secret passage leading to a hidden garden. I know who did what there. However, not everyone was a fan of the new venture. Some of the locals were suspicious of the two friends, believing that they were up to no good. But Holmes and Skeletor soon proved them wrong, as their B&B was always filled with happy guests. In the end, Sherlock Holmes and Skeletor were a success in the bed and breakfast business. The mystery B&B was a popular destination for travellers from all walks of life, each of whom left with a smile on their face. And despite their differences, the two friends were forever bonded by their shared love of running a successful business. Wait, I've got a good follow-up. Um... How did Skeletor respond to He-Man's bad TripAdvisor review, complaining <laughs> that his black pudding 
was burnt. Skeletor was not pleased to see the bad TripAdvisor review from He-Man about his black pudding being burnt. He was determined to make it right, so he got on the phone and called He-Man to apologise. He explained to He-Man that he'd been having some trouble with the stove and that the black pudding had been overcooked. He offered to make it right by sending him a fresh batch of black pudding and invited him to come back and stay at the B&B. He-Man was impressed by Skeletor's willingness to make amends and accepted his offer. Skeletor was relieved that He-Man had given them a second chance and vowed to do better next time. From then on, he made sure that all of his breakfasts were cooked to perfection. All right, what have I typed? What did Skeletor do when He-Man shit the bed? (laughs) (laughs) That's just not what I thought I'd be doing two days before Christmas. Oh well. Are you going to read it or do you want me to read it? I can buy toys for my kids on Boxing Day. Uh, You read this one, why not? When He-Man accidentally soiled the bed, Skeletor was quick to take action. He immediately began to clean up the mess using cleaning supplies he had on hand. He then called the local dry cleaner to come pick up the bed and sheets for cleaning. This is not classic Skeletor, I have to say. He's, he's very conciliatory. Skeletor, apologise to you. Do you want me to read it from here? Why? Why did Skeletor apologise? Wasn't this for? Wait a minute. Wait Sorry, a minute. you're on the skids, <laughs> he man. Why was he saying sorry? <laughs> right. Wait a minute. Skeletor apologised to He Man for the inconvenience and offered to buy him a new set of bedding. He Man was embarrassed, but Skeletor was understanding and compassionate. He was relieved when He Man accepted his offer. And the two of them went shopping for new bedding together. The two of them went shopping for new bedding together. (laughs) What does it say at the end? In the end, Skeletor's kindness and understanding had won He-Man over. He was grateful for Skeletor's kindness, and the two of them became good friends. From that day forward, they had a standing agreement that Skeletor would always be there to help He-Man if he ever needed it. <laughs> Sherlock's looking on like, I'm, I'm not happy about this. This is not okay. So, let's just recap there. like The times guess... you cried on me, talking about that blonde bastard. <laughs> now you're all buying fucking bedding, is it? So He-Man had like publicly shut on him. I mean, privately shut on him too. <laughs> He'd publicly shut on him on TripAdvisor. So He-Man, his Skeletor gets him back, makes him like a free breakfast, <laughs> butters him up, and then He-Man shits the bed. And then Skeletor says he's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes him shopping and says, I'll always be there for you. So, so the one weapon Skeletor used to finally defeat He-Man was kindness. Yeah, there you go. There there, there's a Saturday morning morality uh, special for you. Uh, I think I think I need to go home now. Yeah, I think we need to stop because and I've, not just because I want to go and you know do more of this at home. I'm gonna. I do. Yeah. 
Alright, so I know that got a wee bit silly at the end there, but uh, the point still stands. I think this is really useful technology uh, if deployed in the right way, which we certainly weren't doing there, were we? But just to wrap up this episode, I got the AI to, to spit out a couple of other wee things for us. Uh, I'd asked it for some examples of a dungeon master using AI in D&D, so check some of this stuff out. It says dungeon master generated encounters. AI can be used to generate dynamic and challenging encounters for players based on the game's current state. This could include customising the difficulty of the encounter as well as adding unique elements such as powerful monsters or traps. Number two, AI driven NPCs. AI can be used to create believable and dynamic NPCs. These NPCs could interact with players in a realistic manner, responding to the player's words and actions. Number three, AI-controlled monsters. AI could be used to control the monsters in the game, making them more unpredictable and challenging. This could include monsters that can adapt to players' tactics and strategies, making for a more dynamic and engaging experience. Number four, AI-generated quests. AI could be used to generate unique and interesting quests for players to complete. These quests could include various objectives and enemies, as well as unique rewards and storylines. And number five, AI-controlled world events. AI could be used to create and control random world events. These events could range from natural disasters to political turmoil and could have a profound impact on the game's world and characters. And likewise, a wee bit on uh, miniature wargames as well. So AI-generated scenarios. AI could be used to generate unique and dynamic scenarios for players to play out. This could include customising the battlefield, terrain, objectives and enemies. AI-generated units. AI could be used to generate units for players to command. This could include customising the unit's stats, equipment and abilities. AI-controlled enemies. AI could be used to control enemy units, making them more unpredictable and challenging. This could include enemy units that could adapt to the player's tactics and strategies. AI-generated strategies. AI could be used to generate strategies for players to follow. This could include customising the tactics, objectives and resources available. And AI-controlled events. AI could be used to generate and control various events on the battlefield. This could include weather, terrain, and even random events that could affect the game. So a lot of overlaps there between the, the RPG and the miniature wargame stuff, but again, the, the point stands, this uh, technology in its very early days, um, if deployed correctly, could be really beneficial, especially to folks that are forced into sort of playing solo scenarios as well. So I it's very much watch this space. It's not something I know anything about really I'm just uh, I'm just playing about with it I'm not an evangelist of it or anything but I thought it was definitely a topical thing to, to point you in the direction of if you're not aware of it already all right time of recording it is the 29th of December it's that weird week between Christmas and New Year where you you drink beer and eat sweets and don't really know what day it is but uh, I'm meeting up with, with Robert for a pint. I think we mentioned that in our recording that we were going to do that. So today is that day. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And if you're listening to this around the time of recording, I want to just wish you all the very best for 2023. Uh, Christmas was, was decent here. Uh, I got a copy of Dice Men from my daughter. So that's the Ian Livingston, Steve Jackson book, The Origin Story of Games Workshop. I've absolutely loved it so far. It's a... It's tremendously put together, really well written, loads of brilliant photos in there, so it's it's been such an enjoyable read. I thoroughly recommend it if you've not got a copy already. That said, Dice Men by Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson. 
Right then, I better go and get dressed. Uh, I promise you I'm not naked when I'm recording this, but I better go and get dressed better than I am at the moment. Uh, and like I say, wishing you all the very best for 2023 and we'll catch up again on the next episode.